0: American school Counselor Association, this is I Hear You Say, a podcast for school counselors and other leaders in education. I'm Jen Walsh, Director of Education and Training here at ASCA. ASCA's School Counselor of the Year Award honors professionals who devote their careers to advocating for the nation's students and addressing their academic and social-emotional development and college and career readiness needs. Today, we sit down with one of the 2023 School Counselor of the Year finalists, Joshua Nelson. Josh is the school counselor at Richard Lewis Brown Gifted and Academically Talented Academy in Jacksonville, Florida, a recognized ASCA a Model program school serving 232 students grades K through 5, 75% of whom receive free and reduced lunch. Welcome, Josh, and congratulations.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me today.
0: I hear that your student population, like so many, are often impacted by violence, abuse, and personal or family conflict, causing you to focus your classroom curriculum on helping students manage emotions and use self-regulation strategies.
1: Yeah, when I think about classroom lessons, I think about what is it that my students need as a whole? in my school and I do that by doing surveys from our teachers and looking at data and also talking with our students and looking at what their needs are. And as I think about my school in 21-22, one of the biggest areas of concern was being able to manage our emotions and ways to regulate those emotions. So each year what I do is I always start out with Meet the Counselor in August, And this just gives me the opportunity to be able to connect with all students and let them know what my purpose is at the school and allow them to meet me. And I always share with my students, I have two main objectives throughout the course of the school year. That's to A, make sure that they're safe. And secondly, make sure that they're successful. After teaching that Meet the Counselor, I then move into doing Child Safety Matters. And being that trauma has an effect on so many students, I use Child Safety Matters as a tool to teach five safety rules to keep them safe at home, at school, in our community. And by addressing these topics of abuse and bullying and internet safety, these lessons are extremely important in creating a safe place for our students so that we can get into ways to move into how to address other topics. So, we moved into the conversations on ways that we can regulate our emotions. And we started that by first identifying what emotions are and helping students to identify that it's all right that we experience all emotions, but it's what we do when we experience those emotions where it comes to making sure that we're safe. So when we think about the curricula I use in 21-22 is zones of regulation, and it's a wonderful tool to help put emotions into different zones. And as we worked through that, I began by introducing uh, to the students what zones were and what emotions were. And we started by looking at the green zone. And when we think about the green zone, that's the I'm ready to learn zone. And I actually use Second Step curriculum as I began to create that green zone lesson. And Second Step does a wonderful job of creating ways to teach students what does it look like? What does it sound like? And what does it feel like when I'm being a good listener? What, is, what are those components that allows me to be a successful learner in the classroom? And we were able to chart those ideas out and students were able to see and to have discussion about how, when we are able to focus, when we're able to participate in class, when we're listening to one another, how it creates a safe place in our classroom so that they can achieve the goals that they've worked for. I then use the curriculum to teach Um, The yellow zone where we teach our students that they need to slow down and the red zone where they need to stop in order to gain control so they can come back and continue to have success in classroom. And then we talk about the blue zone where sometimes you're feeling tired or they are maybe not feeling well in different strategies to help them understand each of those emotions so that they can then um, have success in the classroom. But again, we always teach that all emotions are our right, and it's what we do with those emotions to help us regulate that's important. So I taught the yellow zone, blue zone, and red zone in the classrooms, and we talked about identifying emotions, and we talked about what those emotions look like. We talked about situations where we may feel those emotions. And it was just a great conversation where we were able to put those emotions into different categories. And then this uh, next set of lessons, 15 lesson mini series each morning over our morning news. And those were five to seven minute lessons. And this is where I was able to introduce strategies and tools that we would use in each of the different zones that could help students regulate. And these lessons I did via video, which was one of the benefits of going virtual in 2020. I was able to learn how to do all that. And They were amazing because we were able to not only teach the students how to use the strategies, but we also provided the opportunity for the teachers to learn how to use the strategies and how to implement those strategies within their classroom. Thanks to my PTA, we were able to create Calm Down Corners in every classroom. And each day over that 15-day series is I was able to teach how to use a tool, and then we were able to put those tools in the classroom so students could use those in the classroom. So for example, if a student was feeling tired, we taught them how to do a wall push-up so they could get re-energized. Or if a student was feeling angry, uh, we taught them how to asked to go to the calm down corner, then use a breathing technique that could help them um, regulate. Or maybe a student was working on their reading or their math and they were feeling frustrated. We taught them how to use a glitter bottle to help calm their emotions so they could refocus and get back to learning. So these lessons were beneficial for many reasons, but it allowed our students to be able to calm their emotions and allowed them to refocus, and as a result, this dropped behavior significantly in our school. And we saw the benefit of these lessons even in January after having done the lessons from October to December. As I moved in through the second semester, we addressed other topics which connected back to regulation, such as what are ways to solve conflict? And that was using Second Step. And how do I build friendships using a Sanford Harmony? And what I love about classroom lessons is it's all about prevention and teaching skills. And so, those lessons allows all students to hear and get the skills that they need to reach and achieve success. This year, uh, what I'm doing is actually a multifaceted approach to my classroom lessons, uh, which I've created based on reading uh, Dr. Borba's book, Thrivers." And I'm teaching the seven skills that she writes about, which makes happy and successful students. Not only am I teaching these seven skills to students, But each month, I'm actually doing parent seminars for my coffee with the counselors and teaching the adults and the children's lives ways to develop these skills at home. So these classroom lessons allows us to reach all students, families, and our community, and we begin to see positive change.
0: I am hearing a lot of collaboration taking place. You've mentioned the PTA, teachers, parents, the community. It sounds like you have had a great collaborative relationship also with your principal just in conversations I've had with you. In your experience, what are some ways school counselors can bring a collaborative relationship with their principal and other leaders in the building and the community?
1: Yeah, so over my seven years at being at R.L. Brown, I've actually had three different principals, and I believe being part of the leadership team is key, which allows school counselors to give a school counseling vantage point for all decisions which are being made at the school. Being part of the leadership team allows you to hear the needs of the school. It allows you to give input on ways that we can work to support the school. It allows you to hear what the goals are of the school and how we can work to develop students academically and socially, emotionally in order to reach that. So by conveying those points with our principal, having those principal school counselor agreements where we talk about these are my goals that I have and these are the ways that they align with the school's goals. And these are the things that I wanna do in order to help the school reach success as well as ways that we can help individual students to reach and achieve success. If I were to ask my principal this question, I think what she thinks is the most important piece is my weekly schedule and my calendar that I provide uh, to her each week. This has been a practice that I've done as a school counselor from the beginning. And each week I send a calendar and a weekly schedule to her that allows her to know what I'm doing um, in our school. So it allows her to know I'm doing classroom lessons, I'm working in small groups. I'm working with members of our community. I'm working with our parents. And this allows her to see the positive impact uh, that I'm doing at the school. And then she's able to see it played out in front of her. As a result of my weekly schedule, I would say my administrators, they advocate for me not to do non-counselor duties, such as testing or coverage in the classroom, because they see everything I have planned out for the week whether it's classroom lessons or small groups or student supports or family supports. And as a result, my administrators, they work really hard to allow me to use all my time to invest and work in students in the role of school counseling. Oftentimes I think our work as school counselors are unseen by most. So by letting those know um, what we do, it allows us to show the impact that we can make and that leads me to say the next piece i think that's important for that relationship is data i think having and using data is huge in building collaboration i believe we must begin as counselors speaking the language of leaders in our school and showing how our work is making impact on the outcome data so the work that we're doing in the classroom the work that we're doing in small groups using the outcome data, referral data, and attendance data, and academic data, and making that a point to share that with our administrator and say, hey, this is where students were in October when I started working with them, and now in January, this is how the students are performing. Their discipline referrals have dropped by this many, their attendance rate has increased, their academic scores on their test has went up this many points, And what that does is it shows how our work is connected to the school and in working to achieve the school's goals as well. For example, I send a report at the end of each of my small group sessions and I show how students have changed um, from the beginning of time to the end of time. Um, Another thing I like to do is um, when I teach students in a psychoeducational group, maybe a skill or a calm down strategy, especially my littles, they love to go and share with others around. So I'll often take my kiddos. Up to the front office and say, "Hey, how about you go show Miss Kincaid, my principal, um, a way that we can calm down if we start feeling angry." And the kids they get so excited to go and share, and that again just allows um her to see the work that I'm doing and how it's playing out in the classroom.
0: That all sounds really great, and what great advocacy! And it's a great illustration, I would say, of how implementing the Ask National Model can really serve as that advocacy piece, um, which really just allows you to ultimately serve more students and really all students. And speaking of the Ask a National Model, I hear that you are a RAMP school, a recognized Ask a Model program school. And I believe that one of your annual student outcome goals focused on discipline, which is something that we have heard across the country. A lot of school counselors are struggling with discipline issues, especially in the post-pandemic and return-to-school era.
1: Yeah, so um, reflecting back from last year, my annual student outcome goal was by May 31st of 2022 that students with three or more discipline referrals in the uh, 2021 school year and identified as at-risk by the district's early warning system Um, So when we think about the early warning systems, those are students that have maybe truancy. They may uh, fluctuate from school to school. They have discipline and or academic struggles. So we work, I worked with those students so that we could work to decrease the number of discipline referrals by 50 percent from 136 discipline referrals in 2020-21 to 69 discipline referrals or less by the end of the 21-22 school year. And when I think about that goal, it seems very ambitious, but one thing I knew through my work with the students um, in previous years and knowing just some key counseling concepts is that relationship is everything. When I dove deeper into the data, I realized that of the 164 discipline referrals for students in kindergarten through fifth grade during the 2021 20, school year, 136 of those were issued to 23 students. And as I thought about that, I I looked more closely and began to ask questions as to why. Why is it that this population of students are receiving the bulk of discipline referrals? And as I looked into it more closely, I noticed that 23 of the students had three or more discipline referrals. Uh, 71% of those students missed 15 or or more days in the 2021 school year. And those included absences due to disciplinary actions or suspensions. And also academically, those students were struggling. So I began to ask questions. I began to say, why is it that these students are showing out in class? What is, what is the problem? And I started by looking at the academic piece and asking, well, is, is it behavior or is it frustration? So what I began to do is I began to talk to our reading interventionists and our administrators, and we began to put some things in place to help meet students where they were at academically, and we began to see some change with that. Some other things that we noticed as I talked with those students and as I dove into some surveys with them is that students, they were some of them, they lacked having a growth mindset. So as a result, it was sometimes instead of me doing the work and not knowing it or not being able to push through it, I would show out so that I could get out of class so that I could then skip through skip the work. Another piece that I observed is that sometimes through that frustration, students, they would just get so angry. So they needed some ways to work through their emotions. Another idea that I came up with was some of them just needed to have an opportunity to connect. They may have felt in the past that they weren't able to do it. So they just needed an opportunity to connect and build relationship with someone that could help them understand that they did have the ability to achieve. So as a result, I created several different things to work with this group of students. Um, One of those is that tier one intervention, which was working on self-regulation in all the classrooms. And then I looked at students and I said, what is it that we need to work on in small groups? So I would host small groups on emotion control with these students. I worked on on classroom success skills. We worked on ways to create growth mindsets. So, whatever the students' major needs were, that was a small group that I created to help build those skills. And we began to start seeing change with these students. Not only did they become more confident in class academically, but we began to see behavior referrals go down. Another piece that we put in place was mentorship from my administrators to my classroom teachers to my front desk clerk was mentoring students, and this was allowing students to have a trusted adult at school that allowed them to check in with them, connect with them, allow them to ask how their day was going, give them some words of encouragement, and we also saw that this was a huge success with students. I also created lunch bunches for students where I would pair students up with other students, and we would go out and we play a game of football. And we would have a motivational talk afterwards talking about ways that we can work through challenges in the classroom. And these opportunities allowed my students to excel. Another piece that we added into helping to decrease referrals was not only did we create calm down corners in every classroom, but we also created a sensory room, which allowed students if they needed some extra time outside of the classroom to calm down, they were able to move to our sensory room use some of the tools that we have in there to help them regulate and then return back to class. And as a result of these interventions, discipline referrals decreased by 54.41%. 52.38% had two or fewer referrals in the 21-22 school year. 71% of students, they also showed at least a year's growth in reading, which is huge for students when they've had major gaps uh, from moving from grade to grade. But you know, since 2017, we've been working to reduce the number of discipline referrals, uh, learning new practices and putting on new lenses when it comes to discipline. We've seen teachers, administrators, mentor students, my front desk clerk. Now when students come in tardy in the morning, they ask them to come and have breakfast before they send them to class so that they're not hungry. My front desk clerk, they may notice a child that comes in crying in the morning and they show genuine care and they talk with them and ask them what's going on before sending, sending them to class. You know, teachers recognize when students are getting dysregulated and they ask for them to come to the sensory room to allow them to regulate.
0: Wow, that is really amazing. And what sort of impact has this systems change had on your school climate?
1: This systems change has created such a positive impact, not just on our students, but also on our teachers. We're no longer just writing students up to get them out of class. We're working to support students. Our academics are the highest they've been since I started um, there seven years ago. Currently in 22, 23 school year, we have 34 referrals compared to 124 we had last year at this time. And if we look back to 2017, we had 261 referrals at this time. Our school climate is the best it's been, which is a contradiction to what's expected in the world events that we're in today. You may ask what the change is. I believe we're looking through a different lens. We're creating change in students' lives. They know we care about them, and they know that we're supporting them to be their best. We work together as a team with PBIS, and we try to implement new things, use data to address all of our decisions, and we work as a team, which I think has been pivotal in our success.
0: Wow. That is just incredible. Kudos to you. That's amazing work. Thank you. Thank you. I hear that you've mentioned trauma a few times, and I know that you're quite interested in learning about ways trauma affects children and their brains. You've also participated in Trust-Based Relational Intervention, or TBRI, professional development. How have you been able to use what you've learned in your interactions with your students?
1: Yes. So I've been interested in trauma-informed schools uh, for a long time. So before becoming a school counselor, I was an elementary teacher, and I had the opportunity to teach second, third, and fourth grade, and I taught for six years before becoming a school counselor. And at that time, I didn't know much about trauma, but I knew there were some commonalities and I knew children who experienced hard times were affected, and you could see the effects on, on students. So when I became a counselor, I became very interested in learning about trauma. And I would say I began learning about ACEs or Adverse Childhood Experiences probably around 2017 when we were looking at our discipline data at school and we were in, by the end of that year, we had over 350 referrals and every day was, what's going on? Uh, My principal and I, we began researching how trauma affects students and and we began to create a trauma-informed school by looking at different practices that we could implement. This piqued my interest, and I've continued to learn more about it, and I've worked to educate administrators and teachers and community members and our parents about trauma. Um, I've read several books about trauma, and probably my favorite book was a book called Fostering Resilient Learners by uh, Christine Sowers. Um, But this year I had an opportunity that, um, through my school district, where I was able to work through trust-based relational intervention. And it's been such an amazing, Experience through TBRI, we've had seven days of in-depth trainings, and I've had ongoing coaching for this year. So much of it is so relevant, and it really helps you to change your lens when looking at students and the behaviors that we see. One thing that we often think about now, when it comes to behavior, is a phrase that we often use in TBRI, which is behavior is the language of an unmet need. So when we see a behavior, The first question isn't, why are you doing this? But now the question that I ask is, what is it that you need? And that's such a powerful question because uh, students, they know what they need. They just need someone to listen. Um, Some other things that I've learned that I've been able to implement is um, knowing the development of the brain and how trauma affects its response to stress. But it's so encouraging um, as you learn about the brain and, and understanding that, When students have a trusted adult, how it can help actually rewire the brain, and it's so amazing, and it's so powerful to know that each day as a school counselor, I have the privilege to work and help in rewiring a a student's brain, which is going to have a lasting effect on them for the rest of their life. Another piece I think that's been so important is understanding that we all have backpacks. And that's a phrase that we think about is all of our past experiences that we bring to the table um, each day. So our students have backpacks and teachers and school counselors, administrators, we all have backpacks too. So helping us all become aware of our backpacks, whether those are past experiences or maybe abuse or lack of food or negative education experiences or social injustices, All of those things that we bring to the table has an effect in the way, um, for example, when a teacher is working with a student, and maybe that piece of what the student is doing is a reflection of something that happened in that teacher's life, which goes into their backpack. So just being aware of what we bring in our backpacks and knowing, hey, you know, this this isn't my backpack, and I need to stop, and I need to regulate myself, because an A dysregulated adult cannot regulate a child. Another piece that's been um, so helpful is understanding that um, all students come with three ages. Is that students, they come with a chronological age, a developmental age, and a street age. So as we've learned when working with students, that we may have a nine-year-old child sitting in our class, but developmentally, due to trauma, they may be showing five-year-old characteristics maybe by throwing a tantrum and you're like, hey, you're a third grader. Why are you throwing a tantrum here? Well, that could be an effect of trauma. But then on the flip side of that, they also have a street age and street wise, they may be 16. So understanding this about students was really eye opening when thinking about our audience and when we're working with them and understanding that the reason why a student may throw a tantrum is because that's the way that they're trying to communicate how they're feeling inside and then being able to work to support them in that way. Another piece um, that was, that's been really helpful is understanding regulation strategies. One of the things that we learned is the power to feed students, water students, and then walk students. And that's become a theme. So when a student maybe feels dysregulated is we ask students, hey, do you need a bottle of water? And that can help calm them down. Do you need a snack? Maybe they haven't had food in a while. Maybe that's a reason for dysregulation. Let's get a snack for him. Or maybe you just need to get out of the situation and let's just take a walk. It's not punitive. Let's just take a walk. Let's um, see what's going on. And let's get ourselves back together so that we can return back to class. This principle really connected uh, to our sensory room that we have, that we were able to create last year. And it's become a part of the culture of our school. We've actually created a code in our school if a student is feeling dysregulated and they just need an opportunity just to calm down. It's non-punitive. Um, a teacher can ask for a student to come to the sensory room or the student can ask to come to the sensory room. And what that does is it allows them to take that time that they need to regulate. And I have such an amazing team with my principal and my assistant principal and my school nurse. We've all worked together. I've been able to train them on some regulation strategies, and we're able to work together to support students so they can regulate, get support that they need, and then return to class and have success without it being punitive. And as a result of this, it's beautiful. It's beautiful to see that sometimes this child, they just need a moment and allowing them to share their experiences. And they find out this is what tool works for me. This is what helps me regulate. This is what's going on. And having a team approach to that has been such a positive um, impact on my life. And it's definitely had a positive impact on my students' lives. Uh, We now have candid conversations about correction versus punishment and how we can teach appropriate ways to respond. Um, We also have a focus on redos. We all need redos every day. And so as a school counselor, I need redo some days and modeling that for students and saying, hey, can I have a redo on that? I messed up there. And then asking, having our students ask us, hey, you know what? I mess, messed up. I need a redo. And finally, just some empowerment and engagement strategies. You know, it's all about connecting with our students. If we can create a culture of connecting, then that relationship is going to help to create an environment that's that allows all students to achieve.
0: What are some engagement strategies that you've learned through TBRI?
1: You know, the way that we use our voice or making sure that we're providing eye contact. Even something as simple as when you're talking with a student and maybe they don't want to look at you in the eye say, hey, let me, see, let me see those bright eyes of yours so that we can connect and have the opportunity to share that moment being able to mirror behaviors maybe a student's having a hard time and they're sitting on the floor being able to go and sit down next to the students and just sit with them and just listen to what they have to say also having a playful interaction that that opportunity of playful interaction is so important so that we can connect with our students and allow them to see that we're there and that we have genuine care for them and then Thinking about healthy touch, maybe sometimes a student, they just need a pat on the back or they need a high five just to know that someone cares for them. All of these components are so important in helping students know that they're valued and it helps and aids in rewiring students' brains, which allows them to have success, not just now, but in the future as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm over here taking notes. <laughs> I'm like, these are some great strategies I could use with my two toddlers that I have at home.
1: You know, TBRI is really amazing opportunities to be able to connect and and think about it. I have two kids as well. So mm-hmm. we, we TBRI a lot now. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> so shifting gears a little bit, just to get to know you better, if you had to pick a theme song for yourself, what would it be?
1: Okay, so I had to think hard on this one. When it comes to music, that's not my forte. But when I think about my theme in life, it's to love people and to show care for people. And the song that I came up with that is, uh, to match it, is a song by um, artist Toby Mack, and it's called Speak Life. And the lyrics of the song talk about the power of words and how we use our words each day. And I'm a firm believer we can either use our words to build others up or to tear them down. In this song, it states, Some days life feels perfect, other days it just ain't working. The good, the bad, the right, the wrong, and everything in between. Yo, it's crazy amazing. We can turn our hearts to the words we say. Mountains crumble and every syllable, hope, can live or die. So speak life, speak life, to the deadest, darkest night. Speak life, speak life, when the sun won't shine and you don't know why. Look into the eyes of the broken-hearted. Watch them come alive as soon as you speak hope, you speak love, and you speak life. And I choose each day to speak life by giving an encouraging word, being a listening ear, providing motivation, and helping others see their potential. It's my desire to build up those around me. We live in a world filled with so much negativity and hopelessness, and I seek each day to look at life through a positive lens and work to provide that hope to those around me.
0: We ask and we end each podcast with, What inspires or motivates you? So, what
1: inspires me is seeing positive change taking place and seeing the power of our work as school counselors. Over the last eight years as a school counselor, I've had the privilege to work with so many students who come from many different backgrounds, life experiences, and who have have been faced with many life challenges. And over the years, you may have a situation you think, how can I make a difference in that child's life? But one of my core beliefs is one person can make a difference, and it motivates me to do it more. I've seen students whose next steps was an alternative school, but an administrator, teacher, and myself poured into the student. And now they're in middle school and they're thriving. And probably the most motivating piece most currently is seeing just how as a school that we've been able to come together with my administrators, teachers, and our community members and families, that we've been able to work together to create systemic change in our school. This motivates me to keep pushing. When someone says it can't be done, or you say, watch, I say, watch me. This is my drive to to be a change agent. And as I reflect on my experiences, it motivates me to see what I can do next to create more change.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It was a real pleasure to talk to you today. And yeah, I learned so much. So thank you for sharing your journey and all of your great tips. We appreciate you and congratulations.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me today.
0: Thank you all for listening. We hope to have you back on our next episode, but until then, be sure to check out our website, schoolcounselor.org for school counselor resources. We'd also love to engage with you on all of our social media platforms. Find us on Facebook at the American School Counselor Association, Twitter at AskATweets, and Instagram at WeAreAska. Thanks and hear from you soon. I'm Jen Walsh, and this has been I Hear You Say, the podcast from the American School Counselor Association.